0: Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be covering Chapter 15 of Mysteries of Creation, Episode 694. We'll be starting on page 145 and going to page 153. The title of the chapter is The Fullness of Glory. I'll dedicate the program, then we'll get right into the reading. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank thee for the opportunity to be part of the remnant that will bring forth Zion's redemption. We thank thee, Father, that you would consider us tools in thine hand To be prepared to do this work. We look forward to thy kingdom on earth in its fullness and its glory as it is in heaven. We desire to be the people who do all that you have commanded, that we might be part of this great endeavor to lead into the millennial reign of thy son, Jesus Christ. We love Thee, Father, and we thank Thee for the plan of salvation. We thank Thee, Father, for forgiving us of our sins and our transgressions, that though we may be red as crimson, that You would make us white as snow, that as we may be weak individually, we can be strong in unity with the goal to bring forth thy word and thy kingdom. We love thee, Father, and we thank thee for all of the blessings that thou hast given unto us. And we say these things in the name of Messiah. Amen. The Fullness of Glory, Chapter 15 of Mysteries of Creation, Episode 694, Pages 145, to 153 The purpose of this chapter is to show that Jesus Christ did not receive a fullness at first but will receive the fullness of his glory after his resurrection at the time when all wickedness on this earth is overcome. Therefore he cannot be as the gods, until after this time. It is interesting to note that everything on this earth seems to symbolize or represent things in heaven. The true principles of science, chemistry, mathematics and other fields of learning are used by the Father. Even the family, marriage and children are part of the work of the Father. Many things that happen on this world are typified by what happened in the pre-mortal life of man. The beginnings of both the spirit world and the physical world were very similar. For example, in the beginning of this mortal world, Adam had two sons, one very honorable and righteous and the other disobedient and wicked. So it was in the premortal life. God began with two sons, one righteous and one unrighteous. The pre-existent spirits of the Father became disorganized, and the unrighteous Son of God rebelled and was cast down to earth that had just been created. When Jesus was given the power and authority and calling to reorganize mankind, Jesus was selected to become the savior, redeemer, and organizer, or creator of the world, which means mankind. So he accepted the authority and called to prepare, and calling to prepare all the sons and daughters of the father to receive the gospel in the flesh. Page 146. Although Jesus was an obedient son and was given overwhelming responsibility in the premortal life, he was still required to come on earth and to experience joy and sorrow, pleasure and pain, inherit immortality. As Paul said, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became... He became the author of the eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 8 and 9. He still had to grow and learn and prove worthy of that honor. It was necessary for him to obey the laws of the gospel in order to fulfill the laws of all righteousness, even baptism, though he was without sin. The prophet Joseph Smith states, For no man can enter into the kingdom without obeying this ordinance, speaking of baptism. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Surely then, if it became John and Jesus Christ the Savior to fulfill all righteousness to be baptized, So surely then it will become every other person that that seeketh the kingdom of heaven to go and do likewise. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 266. So too was it necessary for Christ to obey the laws pertaining to the priesthood. The Prophet explains, if a man gets a fullness of the priesthood of God, he has to get it in the same way that Jesus Christ obtained it. And that was by keeping all the commandments and obeying all the ordinances of the house of the Lord. Um, And that's Joseph Smith, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 308. I want to add a little bit to that. Jesus had to do all those things, but in order for him to receive the fullness of the priesthood, he had to receive it from the Father himself. And that is what happened at the Mount of Transfiguration. Well, actually, I, I'm i not really sure about that. It could have happened, it probably happened when he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. But nevertheless, in order for him to receive the fullness, he had to receive it under the hands of the Father. And part of the reason why um, the Nauvoo Temple had to be built is for the Father to have a place to dwell therein that he might restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. That Angel Joseph Smith talked about all of the prophets who received the fullness of the, the priesthood received it under the hand of God. And he was talking about God the Father. So, um, in order to receive the priesthood, um, the Melchizedek priesthood, you have to have somebody who has had the Melchizedek priesthood give it to them. So, Peter, James, and John gave it to Joseph Smith, right? Joseph Smith gave it to other people, All right? That's not the fullness of the priesthood. That is the beginning of the Melchizedek priesthood. And when you have proved yourself worthy, By the Father's standard, there will come a time when you will receive the fullness of the priesthood. Now, the ancient prophets received it one at a time upon a mountaintop, and they received it under the hand of the Father, the Father Himself. But um, Jesus Christ and the Father wanted to redeem Zion in Nauvoo, and they were given the mandate to build the temple. And Jesus Christ himself is talking to Joseph Smith. He says, Build the temple whereby the Father or the Most High can come dwell therein, that he, not Jesus, he might restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. So if they would have been obedient, and not dragged their feet, and not been involved in, in sinful things like, um, oh, what do you call it? They were uh, spe- land speculating, and there was just a bunch of priestcraft going on at the time. But if they would have repented and built the temple in a timely manner, the Father would have come down and restored the fullness of the priesthood to all those who were worthy to enter into that temple in Nauvoo. And if that would have happened, according to section 124, this would have been the beginning of revelations. And what would that be? That would be for the, the redemption of Zion. But what we see is that few revelations happened after that point, And they started to become a trickle instead of a flow until you had no revelation at all. Jesus also said that he would restore certain things like the times and seasons or the Moedim of God, which has to do with the holy days of Jehovah. That never happened either. There was like a bunch of things. Jesus said, if you do what I say, I will fight your battles for you and you shall not be removed from your place. And where was their place at the time of the revelation? It was Nauvoo but we see that they were removed from their place, and God did not fight their battles for them. Jesus said, if you don't do what I say, you will be rejected as a church with your dead, which is exactly what happened. That's why I don't accept Brigham Young or Sidney Rigdon or Joseph Smith III or any other individual as the Lord's anointed after the prophet Joseph Smith. The secession crisis was man's way of trying to get around the fact that they had been rejected, even though in 1843, according to Lyman White's writing, Joseph Smith stated in Nauvoo that at that time they had been rejected as a church with their dead. But you won't find that in the Brighamite tradition records because it was, uh, it was ignored. And Brigham Young stepped up and he took reins. He did not have the right to. He is not the Lord's anointed. But neither was Joseph Smith the third. Neither was Sidney Rigdon. Neither was Lyman White. Neither was James Strang. Neither was any. No, nobody was. And in fact, Jesus Christ said, "All they who hinder this work shall be cursed to the third and fourth generation." Well, to be cursed from 1843 for four generations at 40 years a generation. Where do I get that number from? Moses walking around with the the cursed Israelites in the wilderness was 40 years, and that was considered one generation. So four generations would be 160 years. And if you go out from 1843, when Lyman Wright uh, recorded that Joseph Smith said the church had been rejected... You go out four generations or 160 years and you get to 2003, which is exactly when the Father himself brought me into his presence physically and laid his physical hands upon my head and I became the Lord's anointed. All the math adds up. There's a lot of other evidence as well, but that's some of it. And that's enough for you to go on right now. Anyway, let's get back into the reading. I do have my four-year-old son trying to c- cuddle up next to me. Um, Arius, why don't you get grab that blanket and go lay on the couch? Okay, that blanket right there. And just lay on the couch, okay? You can't get it? Oh, it looks like you got it. Okay. All right. Well, he just woke up. Um, I'm not doing this as early as I have been doing this in the past. It's actually 833 right now. I was helping my wife and kids get ready for school this morning. Anyway, I've been a lot more tired lately. Um, and I don't understand why. In fact, I'm going to pause this for a minute while I help my four-year-old figure out what he's doing. So I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. John the Beloved Apostle testified that Jesus had to go through life acting in obedience to the laws until he could finally receive a fullness of the promises of power and glory. Real quick, what laws were Jesus' What 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 was he living? There was no New Testament. The law had still not been done away with. Jesus was living the Torah. And everything that Jesus taught can be found in the Torah. He lived it perfectly as an example of how we should live. It wasn't until the Romans hijacked Judaism and early Christianity that they made the Sunday Sabbath thing uh, the lie that prevailed in the Roman Empire. They did away with Sabbath observance, and they made it illegal to be idle on the Sabbath, meaning you couldn't worship on the Sabbath, so the Sabbath was changed to Sunday, or what we would call Sunday, which they would consider the first day of the week. Which interestingly enough, um, Jesus Christ was resurrected on the first day of the week, right after the end of the Sabbath day, which ended on Saturday evening at sundown. It would have been six or seven o'clock at night that that happened. That was the beginning of the first day of the week. It wasn't. It's not like. It, today we consider midnight the first day of the week and early in the morning would be, you know, six or seven in the morning. But no, it like Mary went to the garden tomb while it was still dark in the middle of the night. And so since I've gotten on this topic, I'm just going to talk about this for a little bit. Just because some people don't listen to this program and maybe they're listening for the first time. Jesus Christ was born before the death of Herod the Great. Herod the Great died in 3 BC. We know that historically. Herod the Great was the one who issued the whole kill all the babies before two years old. Because when the the Magi came to see Jesus, they were living in Nazareth and Jesus Christ was a toddler. This whole idea that they all showed up at the birthplace in Bethlehem, that is church tradition. It's not true. The reason why Herod said two years and under is because that's when the star appeared and they knew that and they were like, well, let's just go on. Maybe he's a year old. Maybe he's two years old. Let's kill him all. Right. In fact, John the Baptist was one of those people who they wanted to kill. And Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, took him into the wilderness. And the father of John the Baptist would not tell the Sanhedrin where his child was. And so they murdered him on the temple steps. That's why John the Baptist was raised in the wilderness. But getting back to this whole thing, we know that Jesus Christ was born before... Herod the Great died. And we know that he died in 3 BC. We know that he started his ministry when he was 30 years old. The tradition of the Jews at that time, you could not be a minister or a rabbi until you were 30 years old, and you had to be married to at least one wife because they did have polygamy back then. It's in the Torah. The provisions for polygamy are spelled out in the Torah. What you can do, what you cannot do, what you should do, how you should live polygamy, that's all spelled out in the Torah. So the people that are like flipping out about, oh, polygamy is against, like it's an abomination whatever, God wrote it out in the Torah. He wrote out the instructions for how to live it in the Torah. But I digress. So Jesus Christ had to be, Uh, 30 years old, which he was when he started his ministry. He was probably born in the year 5 B.C. Which means he started his ministry in what we would consider the year 25 A.D. He was 30 years old at that point, which falls in line with the three-year ministry and the death of Of Jesus Christ in 28 AD on the eve of Pesach or Passover which on that in that year was a Wednesday and why is that important because Jesus Christ said he would be in the earth for three days and three nights and it was the same as the sign of Jonah three days and three nights not Friday night to Sunday morning that's not three days and three nights that doesn't work mathematically not even Einstein can make that work mathematically in the year 28 AD on a Tuesday was the day before Pesach or Passover which starts the seven day uh, feast of unleavened bread the week of unleavened bread. On the Tuesday night before, on the night before the actual Passover, they would have a Passover seder, which the rabbis would would have with everything but the lamb, so that they could rehearse the meal to make sure to get it right on the actual day of Pesach or Passover. That was the night of the last supper. That's why you do not see any meat when they're they're passing around the, the bread and the sup. That's why you don't see the normal things of Passover, but that was the last meal. That was a rehearsal meal for Pesach, which was what the rabbis did in that time and day and age of Judea. Jesus Christ, being a rabbi, would have done it as well, and he did. That's the Last Supper. Later on that night, he was arrested and went through all of the stuff that he went through, and, sh- and that day, later on that day, he was flogged, he was hung on the cross, and he was put to death on the cross, and before the high and holy day, of Unle- or the festival of unleavened bread began which was a high and holy Sabbath they took him off the cross and they sealed him up in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea so the proper burial things that had to happen for his proper burial did not happen which were the duties of his wife she could not go to market to get the oint ointment and all the stuff that were required for his proper burial. She had to wait. So he was put to death on a Wednesday, shortly before the the Sabbath began, which would have happened at sunset. So he was in the ground Wednesday night to Thursday night, which was one day. That whole day is a Sabbath, a high and holy Sabbath. Thursday night to Friday night was the second day, and on that day, Miriam, his wife, who we call Mary, was able to go to the market and purchase the things that were required for his proper burial. It took her all day to do that. Friday night at sundown was the beginning of the weekly Sabbath, which ended on Saturday night, which was the third day that he was in the grave, which completed the sign of Jonah three days and three nights. At sunset on Saturday was the beginning of the first day of the week and is the end of the weekly Sabbath. And Miriam went to the tomb when it got dark. That's why she was there in the middle of the night while it was still dark, not Sunday morning. And by that time, the angels told her, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Meaning he had already risen Saturday night when it got dark at the beginning of the first day of the week which now we consider Sunday the first day of the week. But back then, they considered sundown to sundown one day. It wasn't midnight to midnight. And so when you think, when people try to like equate how things are according to our tradition and our understanding and do not take into account the the way that God had things set up from evening to evening then you're going to say, oh, well, Sunday morning was whatever. Like, And they didn't even number the days of the week. It was just the first day of the week. But the first day of the week is Saturday after sundown to Sunday before sundown. That's the entirety of the first day of the week. Miriam, or Mary, his wife, would have taken the ointments and and went to the tomb to see if she could prepare his body the right way. And he said, uh, and the angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. This whole idea of Friday before the weekly Sabbath to Sunday it's just it's 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 uh, it's ignorance it's a lie but Jesus Christ lived all of the laws of the Torah in fact he's the one that gave it he was the word of Jehovah or the messenger of the covenant the messenger of Jehovah and he taught the law Perfectly, and did not do away with it at his death. The sacrificial ordinances were completed. But the law was not done away with. In fact, Paul continues to keep the temple laws. He, was, he continued to go to the temple. So did Peter, James, and John. They continued to go to the temple. Paul became a Nazarite and took a Nazarite vow, which is in the Tanakh or the Torah, after the death of Jesus Christ. They continued to meet on Shabbat, which is Saturday during the day in the synagogues. And later on that night, they would meet as Christians after sunset on Saturday evening, that's why when Peter is yapping on all night long, that guy falls out of the rafters because he fell asleep because these these meetings ran late. They did not happen on Sunday as we would consider it. But let's get back into the reading. Until he could finally receive a fullness of those promises of power and glory... And I, John, saw that he received not the fullness at first, but received grace for grace. And he received not the fullness at first, but continued from grace to grace until he received the fullness. And Thus he was called the Son of God, because he received not the fullness at first. And I, John, bear record, and lo, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove, and sat upon him... And there came a voice out of heaven saying, This is my beloved son. And I, John, bear record that he received all power, both in heaven and on earth. And the glory of the Father was with him, for he dwelt in him. And it shall come to pass that if you are faithful, you shall receive the fullness of the record of John, I give unto you these sayings that you may understand and know how to worship and know what you worship, that you may come unto the Father in my name and in due time receive of his fullness. For if you keep my commandments, you shall receive of his fullness and be glorified in me as I am in the Father. Doctrine and Covenants section 93 verses 12-20. Uh, through 20. Three times John's testimony was that Jesus received not of the fullness at first, but afterwards received it, and it will be pointed out by Brigham Young that he did not receive a fullness of glory of the Father until after he was resurrected. Christ himself made the following statement after his resurrection. When he appeared to his eleven disciples, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse eighteen. And in order for any man to receive of that fullness, he must follow the same narrow path through mortality. Joseph Smith describes this path pathway. Quote Here then is eternal life to know the only wise and true God and you have got to learn how to be gods yourselves and to be kings and priests to God the same as all gods have done before you. And we're on page 148 at 34%. So let me just read this. I actually had to cough so I'm going to start this over. Let's see. Here then is eternal life, to know the only wise and true God. And you have got to learn how to be gods yourselves and to be kings and priests to God, the same as all gods have done before you, namely by going from one small degree to another and from one small capacity to a great one, from grace to grace, from exaltation to exaltation until you attain to the resurrection of the dead and are able to dwell in everlasting burnings and to sit in glory as do those who sit enthroned in everlasting power. They shall be heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What is it? To inherit the same power, the same glory, The same exaltation, and remember there are multiple exaltations. I don't know if you caught that or not. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Until you arrive at the station of a God and ascend the throne of eternal power, the same as those who have gone before you. When you climb up a ladder, you must begin at the bottom and ascend step by step until you arrive at the top. And so it is with the principles of the gospel. You must begin at the first and go on until you learn all the principles of exaltation. But it will be a great while until you have passed through the veil before you have learned them. It is not all to be comprehended in this world. It will be a great work to learn our salvation and exaltation even beyond the grave. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 346, page 347, and page 348. Now, let me unveil and unfold a mystery to you. When we see John talking about the new heaven and the new earth that will be created and we know that this earth will become a heaven or a a fire of sea and glass or a celestial glory, it joins in with the Shamaim. That's the new heaven that he's talking about. And the new earth is a new earth that is created for us to go on and dwell thereon. This earth becomes a pre-existence to that earth. And when he talks about going from, from glory to glory, from grace to grace, and from exaltation to exaltation, we can only go through an exaltation on this planet one time. But there are multiple exaltations. The glory to glory and the grace to grace are from world to world. When he says you will not understand these things until long after the resurrection, there are many resurrections. There are many multiple, uh, multiple probations. When you receive your resurrection, you will have the opportunity to put that resurrection off to go on a new earth the same earth that John saw in the book of Revelation. If you do not put off your resurrection, you will remain in a damned state unless you are exalted. But in order to receive your multiple exaltations, you must put off your resurrection multiple times and go on many earths and gain more experience and more understanding and thus you will go from grace to grace from salvation to salvation and from exaltation to exaltation until you ascend up the ladder to become a god this is the progression of the gods this is how it happens This earth is not the only earth that has been created. And it is not the first earth that we have been upon. I have been upon thousands of earths. When you think about the broad expanse of eternity, this is not that big of a deal. We do not come to one earth to see if we're going to make it and then get exalted or get damned or whatever. We, the only ones who are destroyed are those who are the complete rebellious and they're thrown into the lake of fire. People who have lost all chances to move forward, people who deny the Holy Ghost, people who murder innocent blood, those are it. Sons of perdition. Sons, not daughters. Sons of perdition. I don't know why that is, but it is what it is. And we have the opportunity to go down on multiple earths under multiple saviors who are different. Not all of them are going to be Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus Christ paid for our sins and transgressions on this earth alone. Michael was the father for this earth alone. I am the witness for this earth alone. On the next earth, Michael will become an Elohim and he will instruct Yeshua or Jesus Christ on how to create an earth much the same way Jehovah showed Michael how to create this earth. And Jesus Christ will become the new Adam. Remember how he's the second Adam for this earth? He becomes the first. And the one who is the witness, who I am, I become the redeemer and I become the second Adam of that world directly beneath the authority of Jesus Christ, who is the Adam of that world. And I become the second Adam for that earth. This is the gift and the doctrine of eternal lives, plural. This is the truth. When we gain a resurrection, we are damned in that state of resurrection until we become like, uh, until we go and, excuse me. uh, well, we're damned in that state of resurrection and the only way we can progress is by putting off that resurrection and going as a spirit onto a new earth and going through another probation once, once per earth. We are placed in situations so that we can become knowledgeable in the experiences that we're placed in and we gain a higher level of resurrection each time we do this. Joseph Smith says, but it will be a great while after you have passed through the veil before you will have learned them. And he was not joking. It, it will be a great while. But in the, the uh, expanse of eternity, it's, you know... It's not that long. We'll have a different perspective of time at that point. It is not all to be comprehended in this world because it takes multiple worlds to comprehend these things and multiple experiences. You thought that you won the lottery because you were born in the covenant and you were were able to live in this great big old beautiful house and your parents... Had beautiful, wonderful jobs. And now I'm not talking to everybody I know, but I'm talking to some. You thought you were so blessed. This is not the first time you've been on a world. You have been on worlds where you were in dirt, poor, poverty because you had to go through those experiences. You have been in worlds where you were a refugee where you were homeless, where you died of exposure. You have been murdered in worlds previous to this one. You have lived through wars in worlds previous to this one. You may have lived as royalty previous to this one. You may have been wealthy beyond your wildest dreams and worlds previous to this one, and now you're living in a hut in Africa. You will go through every single experience that you need to go through to become as the gods. So in your place, in your situation, make the best of it. Learn of the experiences that you need to learn from going through the things that you're going through because God has placed you in that place for you to learn the things that you need to learn. If you have been living in war-torn countries, and, and even if you uh, die in those situations, or you've had children or brothers or fathers or mothers or sisters or grandparents die in those situations, it is for the overall good that you experience all of these things, even though they be hard. I don't talk specifically about the, the horrible things that I dealt with growing up. I was physically abused. I was sexually abused. I was tortured as a child. I was burned. I was punched. I was beat. I was abandoned. I was homeless. I've been blown up. I have been shot at and felt the wind of bullets on my face. I have been stabbed. I have been hung three times. I have tried to commit suicide multiple times in my life, but God will not allow me to die. I have I've been through so many situations where I should not be here, but God protected me through all of them. Because I was foreordained to be the witness. And I've been attacked physically by Satan himself. I have been bitten and scratched and smothered and suffocated by unseen hands. Not just alone, but my wife watched it happen one time. My whole body was vibrating and shaking, not like a seizure, but it was vibrating. And I was being pushed down into the bed, and I was being smothered, and I could not breathe. Until I broke free and commanded the demons to leave in the name of Jesus Christ, or Yeshua, our Messiah. And through all of those things, when I sat down physically and talked to Jesus face to face... He told me that all the things that I've gone through in my life, even the hard things that I cannot understand. He allowed those things to happen to me that I might learn to become the servant that he needed me to be. Life is not so hard these days. God gave me a wife. And we've been married for over 11 years now, and he's given me children, and he's given me land, and he's given me a home, and he's given me animals, and I am rich. But I still suffer mentally from the things that I've been through in the past, through the things that my parents did to me, through the things that other people have done to me, and I truly have no family other than my wife and her family. And it breaks my heart. And it makes me sad. But this is the life that God gave me so that I could learn through the experiences that I have been given. And he told me all those things that you have gone through in this life, I have allowed for my wise purposes. And I know that I told Jesus that I trusted him and whatever he saw was necessary and whatever the father saw was necessary for me to have to go through in this mortal probation, I would endure. And I have endured homelessness. I've endured hypothermia to the point of death multiple times. I've endured loneliness and depression and sadness and pain. I still endure pain. I am in pain all the time. And the only time I am not in pain is if I do certain a prescription or pharmace- pharmaceutical drugs from, from the pharmacist. And I will not do them because it will take away from my mental faculties. So I will endure the pain to keep my mind straight. But I know that all the things that I have been through and all the things that I will go through in this mortality, even though they be extremely hard, Even though I get burned out of going through the things that I go through, I know that this is all given to me. All these experiences are given to me by a loving Father in heaven and a loving Savior who have made a way for me to go through all of these experiences, which include transgressions, which includes sins, to come back into His, our, the presence of our Father and our God, and our Redeemer, and gain a higher, a higher resurrection, and progress on the path to become like Jehovah our Elohim. And all of us have the opportunity to learn from the experiences that we are placed in. Whether we are placed in, in a flat in, in Britannia, in a hut in Africa or Mongolia, or in a house in North America or Canada or whatever... God is perfect in his judgment, and he's placed each and every single one of us where we should go. Remember that Jesus Christ was the organizer of men on this earth, men and women on this earth, all of us. Men, women, and children were placed where we were supposed to go to learn from the experiences that we will learn from in this life. And each and every single one of us will help others, hopefully, to gain the experiences and to be comforted, hopefully, that we can comfort each other and help each other get through these things, because it's not easy. It was never meant to be easy, but it is worth it. Well, Continuing on. Even Christ had to obey all the laws, or the Torah, and adhere to this timetable before he could make claim to all power in heaven and on earth. Although Jesus was called God, see Mosiah in the Book of Mormon, chapter 15, also 2 Nephi in the Book of Mormon, chapter 11 and 26, Helaman, chapter 8, etc., He still had to go through life step by step to obtain his crown with a fullness of that Godhood. See, he had to progress in the path of the progression of the gods to obtain his exaltation. Even Jesus had to pass through a life of sorrow and suffering And experience the tribulations of mortality. Or else could he really understand the experiences that mankind go through. And we can go one step beyond that. And see that he actually experienced experienced life as a carpenter. He experienced life as a slave. He experienced life in a land of war he he lived in our modern age or ages like the modern ages that we live in he could have even been a truck driver at one point on an older earth there is not a lot of difference between world to world every world has its course and every world has its inventions and we we bring some of us bring those inventions like beethoven or mozart they brought their music with them. They did not compose that music on this world. They remembered what they had composed earlier and brought it from other worlds. Archimedes brought inspiration or more, more closely uh, a remembrance of things he had learned on an older earth. Prague or Pragus or I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Einstein it, like each of these worlds are very similar in their course. and they're designed to be like this. As the 22nd section of the Doctrine and Covenants says after listing all kinds of adversities <clears throat> excuse me, the Son of Man hath descended below them all. And that's in DNC section 122 verse 8. And as Alma said, and we're on page 149 at 47%, but Alma says this, And he will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. Alma chapter 7 verse 12. And real quick, Jesus Christ has gone through every single thing and he remembers it. That's how he knows how to succor you because he has been through it all on older earths. Jesus Christ on an older earth was bedridden and extremely obese and had to learn how to walk again. Jesus Christ on an older earth had children who died in a fire his wife died in a fire he had to overcome his injuries both physically and mentally and learn how to deal with that and move along every experience that you have been through he has gone through at least on the male side of things. And the same thing's the same with Mary. She's been through many of these things as well, on the, on the female side. And together, they have so much sympathy and true empathy for everything that you have been through or are going through or that you will go through. Because they have been through it all. Continuing, Brigham Young said it would be foolish to petition a God who never had any experience with the adverse difficulties of our mortal life. How else could he understand hunger without feeling the pains in the stomach? How could he know about cold or hot joy and sorrow without possessing mortal senses and having human emotions? Joseph Smith said it was necessary that men have to suffer that they may come upon Mount Zion and be exalted above the heavens. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 5, page 556. And And not only does the Savior have to experience these things and obey these laws, but he has to comply with certain ordinances in order to receive a fullness of power and of glory, the Prophet Joseph Smith referred to the importance of the ordinances. Quote, The question is frequently asked, Can we not be saved without going through with all those ordinances? I would answer no, not the fullness of salvation. And any person who is exalted in the highest mansions has to abide a celestial law, and the whole law too. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 331. So, real quick, there's a lot of people think that if they just check off whatever their church tells them to do, if you pay us tithing, you fulfill your callings properly, You clean the building when you need to clean the building. You know, you serve in the capacity that we've asked you to. You go to the temple twice a month or maybe twice a week. You think that all of those things are going to make you a celestial being? What about the laws that God gave to us that are part of Zion's redemption? The law of consecration cannot be lived without having United Orders. And there are no United Orders in the church today. They have $150 billion in the Ensign Peak account. And it's probably hundreds of billions of dollars, if not trillions. But they won't say. And they have not one United Order. Not one. I know that the upper members of the church in the first in maybe the second quorums of the 70 and the 12 and uh, the first presidency, the bishop, the bishop of the church. I know they all receive money from the church on. We're looking at like sixty, seventy thousand dollars on the low end, up to hundred over uh, six figures on the high end, and that doesn't include any of the money that they get paid to to be on boards of certain companies that the church owns. That's just their their living stipend. That's not a United Order. As far as I'm concerned, the church has fallen flat on its face with all of the United Orders that it is that it has ever had. Except for maybe Circleville and um, and there's another one down south. The Brigham City one did pretty well for a little bit, but like you know one of the travesties of early church history is where they sent men off To go on missions around the world. They did not have United Orders to. To take care of the women who are basically. That like they were as close to widows as you could be without your husband actually being dead. They were not taken care of. Some may have been but the majority were not. There should have been United Orders to help assist those people, but they would, they didn't have it. They weren't doing it. They're still not doing it. And in order for Zion to be redeemed, we have to live all that God has commanded and they won't do it. What about the gathering of Israel to one place as it states in the scriptures? Do you know that it was during the Reed uh, Smoot hearings that Joseph F. Smith basically said, oh, Zion's wherever you want it to be. That's because the, the government told the church to stop gathering to the United States. And they had to comply with the, the wishes of Babylon the Great or the little beast mentioned in, I think it's Daniel chapter 10 or 7, the little beast that, that wears out the saints of the Most High in the last days. What about rebaptism? What about the law of adoption? What about plural celestial ceilings? There are so many things that the church has changed that they have either done away with or abrogated, but Jesus Christ in the 1886 revelation tells John Taylor, I have neither abrogated nor done away with any of my laws. How could I? He says they're celestial, eternal laws. He can't do away with eternal laws. That's not possible. He does not tell us, oh, never mind, you guys don't have to do it now. You can do it later in some unknown future that never has come and never will come under the reign of Babylonian businessmen and false administrators. In a fallen and rejected church. Continuing on, uh, hold on, my four year old is looking at me with questions in his head. Arius, did you get yourself scraped? Yeah, it was from the box. The box scraped you? Yeah, it was sharp. Oh, the box? Gotcha, huh? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. But you know what? Your skin isn't broken, it's just a little bit scraped and you're gonna be fine. Well, you should go there? tell Ari or Emmett to wake up. I hear because he's he's tired. I know he's tired all the time, but that's because he's lazy and he doesn't want to get up. I have an eighteen year old who Thinks that he if if we don't actually wake him up he'll stay up till or he'll sleep in his bed in a room full of light until 4 p.m. Like he's so lazy. He's got Asperger's, but I don't care. He's an 18 year old lazy teenager. Just like he does a lot actually, but he needs to do more because he graduated from high school. He turned down a full ride scholarship he's scared to leave home and now he just wants to lay in his bed all day and not do anything anyway enough of my ranting about that let's see here jesus had to go through life choosing obeying and acting upon free agency the same as we do paul said for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted He is able to succor them that are tempted. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Also, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. And remember what the definition of sin is. The definition of sin is going against the instructions that God has given us in the Torah or the Tanakh. That is where you get the definition of sin. Breaking God's laws. Breaking God's commandments. Breaking God's instructions. That's sin. He lived God's law perfectly. And remember... He didn't have the New Testament to look upon. When he tells you to read, to study, to live God's law, he had the Torah or the Tanakh, the Ketuvim and the Nevi'im, which are all part of the 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 Bible, the Jewish Bible or the Hebrew Bible. Anyway, continuing on. Although he had supreme understanding, he also had equal temptations. Knowing as he did of the gospel plan he could could have refused and failed, said Brigham Young quote and we're on page one hundred fifty at fifty nine percent, Jesus suffered himself to be crowned with thrones and crucified, but supposed he had said I will not make this great sacrifice. I am the Almighty, I will dash my enemies to pieces and I will not die for the world. What would have been the result? Jesus would have, be- have-, have become a son of perdition. He would have lost every power and right to the kingdom he was about to redeem. He would have become no better than the son of the morning who contended against him. And would have contended against righteousness from that time. And against whoever the Lord would then appoint to destroy sin and death. And him that had the power of it. Journal of Discourses, volume 8, page 118. Just like everyone else, Jesus had to prove obedience to the Father in order to obtain the fullness of all things and all power. Bruce R. McConkie admits that in this life, he received not the fullness at first, but went from grace to grace until the final triumph of the resurrection. He gained the fullness of all things, and all power was given him both in heaven and on earth. And that was Bruce R. McConkie in his book, Mormon Doctrine, page 129. But it just drives me nuts that Bruce R. McConkie won't actually just quote where he got it from. Oh, no, he talks about it like he's the one who 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 came up with it. Oh, drives me nuts, but whatever. Brigham Young better explained when his time was that Jesus would receive a fullness of glory the savior was not finished has not finished his work and cannot receive the fullness of glory until the influences and power of the wicked are overcome and brought into subjection when the wicked inhabitants of the earth the beasts of the field I'm sorry, when the wicked inhabitants of the earth, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, all mineral substances and all else pertaining to this earth are overcome, then he will take the kingdom, present it to the Father and say, here is the work you gave me to do. You made the appointment. I have wrought faithfully and here are my brethren and sisters who have wrought with me we have wrought faithfully together we have overcome the flesh hell and the devil i have overcome and i and have and they have followed in my my footsteps and here are all thou hast given me i have lost none except the son of perdition journal of discourses volume 8 page 118 real quick when Jesus is giving this up to the Father, who is he giving it to? In Daniel chapter 7, we know that uh, it's a description of what is going to happen in the future at Adam and on Diamond. When the Ancient of Days comes down from heaven, and the one one like unto the Son of Man actually goes down to to the Ancient of Days, and that is Father Adam who is Michael. And we know that because in Daniel chapter 12, it actually tells us the name of the man sitting on the throne as being Michael in the last days. And after all have surrendered their keys during their time in their stewardships, and one like unto the Son of Man delivers his keys... See, everybody gets this one wrong. Everybody thinks that the one like unto the Son of Man is Jesus Christ. No, it's not. It's the one that comes before him. The last one to surrender his keys. Even God, the witness, or the Holy Ghost. That is one like unto the Son of Man who delivers his keys to Adam at Adam Ananda. And then Adam presents them to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ did all that his father, Michael, Adam, has asked him to do. That's why Adam is the one that gives the keys up. That's why every single prophet, including God the witness, gives his keys up to Adam because he's the father. And the father presents his son who has overcome all things with all power both in heaven and on earth. And at that point, Jesus Christ would become the father of all who dwell upon this earth because he has paid for our, or for our sins and our transgressions by the price of his own blood. And we all become his through the law of adoption and he becomes our father with Michael being our father above him and Jehovah being our father above Michael. Jesus could not have become a God, or have spirit children, or create temporal earths until he has proven himself worthy of exaltation by obeying all the laws connected to exaltation. Brigham Young describes receiving these crowns and the power and the glory that follow. Our spirits thousands of years ago were first begotten and at the the consummation of all things, when the Savior has finished his work and presented it to the Father, he will be crowned. None of you will receive your crowns of glory, immortality, and eternal lives. Before he receives his, he will be crowned first. And when we shall be crowned, everyone in his order for the work is finished and the spirit is complete in its organization of the tabernacle. The world is the first to be redeemed and the people last to be crowned upon it. Journal of Discourse is volume six, page 282. When they receive their crowns, their dominions, they then will be prepared to frame earths like ours and people them in the same manner as we have been brought forth by our parents, by our Father and our God. Journal of Discourses, volume 18, page 259. Page 152, and we're at 80%. And when our spirits received our bodies, and through our faithfulness, we are worthy to receive, to be or, to be crowned. We will then receive authority to pro- produce both spirit and body. And that's Journal of Discourses, Volume 15, Page. 137, and that's speculation on his part. But, I mean, it's pretty close. Anyway, continuing on, Jesus had to come down to earth, passing through all that we do to earn his rightful place as redeemer of the world. He will not receive his crown of exaltation until he has earned it. He cannot be a creator of spirits, tabernacles, or the elements of an earth until he has received his resurrected body and has become as the gods. Jesus will obtain his crown for the fullness of glory in the same manner as the Father obtained his. What did Jesus do? Why, I do the things I saw my Father do when worlds came rolling into existence. My father worked out his kingdom with fear and trembling, meaning he was a savior, like Jesus was a savior. And I must do the same. And when I get my kingdom, I shall present it to my father, so that he may obtain kingdom upon kingdom, and it will be, and it will exalt him in glory. He will then take a higher exaltation and I will take his place and thereby become exalted myself. Wow. Sorry about that. So that Jesus treads in the tracks of his father and inherits what God did before and God is thus glorified and exalted. See, exaltations, in the salvation and the exaltation of his children. It is plain beyond disputation, and you thus learn some of the first principles of the gospel about which so much hath been said. And that's Joseph Smith. I've only got 11% left. Anyway, that's teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 348 and 349. To be a creator requires the full power and glory of the office of a God. It is not the granting of a special favor or authority, nor an earned privilege of all spiritual beings. It requires a man who has entered mor- mortality, experienced or overcome the infirmities uh, the and difficulties of life, and then gained a and then gained a celestial resurrection after proving himself faithful in all things. Then the powers and rights of creation are bestowed upon him. Christ, our elder brother, had not been a resurrected being prior to his birth on this world, and he could not have been a creator before his resurrection. And that's speculation, which shows me that they did not understand the doctrine of eternal lives and exaltations. They don't understand multiple mortal probations. But that's fine, because Jesus Christ did have a body. He was resurrected as God the witness. He put off that resurrection when he agreed to become the savior of this world. He waited in the spirit form until the meridian of time when he took upon himself flesh again. He put that flesh off when he was murdered and he took it back by his own power as a resurrected insulted being. He could not have been a creator before his, his resurrection. And also, like we've said before in the past, to create means to organize. And you never, no God ever uh, creates out of thin air the elements. When God showed me back 20 years ago, when I asked him where he was before the Big Bang and he revealed to me many things, he showed me that the elements are eternal, same as the intelligence, and the laws of the universe are eternal as well. Continuing, Christ was a spirit before his birth, and that's true in this world. He put off his old resurrection. He became a spirit. He was a raw or a holy set-apart spirit, but he was not God. Well, he is, he was God the witness who is the first witness of the Father, but it is by the mouth of two or three witnesses that every word is established and it requires a second witness or God the witness to come and to be the second witness. That's who I am. I am the witness of the Father and the Son. Jesus Christ is the first witness. He's Messiah ben Judah. I am the second witness, Messiah ben Joseph. Such spirits are limited in their progress and thus long to come to earth to obtain a mortal body and eventually inherit one of the three degrees of glory. In the highest degree one can receive a fullness of glory and exaltation, thus enabling him to be a creator of earths. A spirit cannot beget mortal children, for only like begets like. As spirits, they cannot be gods over such an earth, for they have no children to put on it. They cannot organize or create an earth, or else all mankind would have been able to have the chance in the preexistence. See, Ogden does not understand these things. Brigham does not understand these things. Heber C. Kimball, John Taylor, Wilford Woodruff, Heber C. Kimball, none of them understand the fullness of these things. I doubt that Joseph fully understood these things as well. And it's hard because we want to place our trust in the arm of flesh. But God gives us just enough evidence in the arm of flesh as we study those things and we take it to him where he begins to open our eyes so that we can understand things beyond the mysteries. Only those who reach the celestial kingdom and the fullness of glory receive the authority and powers of a God who can create a world such as ours. So that's the end of that chapter. We're on page 154, which is the beginning of chapter 16. And when we come back, we'll be talking about creating plants and animals. Oh, excuse Now, hopefully I'll be able to post today, but I'm not sure because yesterday I've got uh, multiple strikes on my Facebook for posting my last podcast, Gods and Sons of Gods. They said that I was trying to hack or do something with cybersecurity, which I don't even know what they're talking about, because all I did was I posted the text like I usually do on my Facebook account. Um, In my Facebook pages, Zion's Redemption Radio Network, Zion's Redemption Bookstore, um, the Church of the Living Messiah, the One Mighty and Strong, Second Witness of the Father. Uh, There's a couple of other groups that I have. Uh, Not groups, but pages. And I also posted in groups. And Facebook took them all down and told me I was in some kind of violation for trying to gain people's access to their accounts or something. All I did was post the normal link to my podcast and the text that I was reading. So basically it was... You click on the the link to listen to the podcast and you can also read the, the text as I'm reading along. That's why I do that. Nothing different than I've ever done before. And somehow they wanted to say I was in violation. I had it reviewed. And some of the reviews came back as, oh, we made a mistake. And some were like, no, we've determined that you're really the bad guy that we said you were. It's the same words. Exactly the same. It was copy and pasted. And I, later on, I was going through my memories last night, and this all just happened yesterday, but I was going through my memories last night, and I realized that six years ago last night, I posted a video where I had the text on the screen as I was scrolling and I was reading it. I did two chapters, chapter 14 and chapter 15, the one I am done did today and the one I did yesterday, but it wasn't one video. And that one didn't get flagged. And I posted it as a memory yesterday, and that didn't get flagged. But for some reason, gods and the sons of God gets uh, it gets flagged. And where I, I usually have a certain number of people who, who download the podcast the day I put it out, and they're pretty consistent. Like yesterday, I had very few that... Um, that actually listen to the podcast. I see the numbers on the studio of who's doing that. Um, so they basically banned me, kind of. But like I said, like when I put it under review, they uh, they came back and said, "Oh, we made a mistake on some of them, but the very same stuff on the other ones." They're like, "No, you're a you're a threat, and this is a strike against your account and." I'm pretty sure that the reviewers were Mormons who don't like what I have to say and they're using their bully pulpit to to stop me from speaking the things that I believe are true All right that's what I think I could be wrong but that's what I think is going on here of course the the comp- the 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 atheists, they don't want any of this to be put out there, so it could have been anyone, you know. Uh, And it could have been demon-possessed individuals who don't like this word getting out there. I don't know, but I'm going to keep plugging along until I can't. But there will come a time when I cannot do this anymore because they will stop me. And all of my warnings at that point will, will, will be done. And all of the time when I have told you that God has told me to tell you that Emory County is the place for the gathering of the remnant before the destruction and fall of this Babylon the Great, all of that will come to an end. And this whole country will fall apart. And you won't have me anymore. And we will go into the highways of the top of the mountains and into the desert places that God has revealed to me already. And the remnant few there may be, we will leave you in the dust of the falling and the the collapsing of Babylon the Great. So I'm not here just to teach you some things. I'm not here just to be a witness or a prophet as far as teaching you things. I'm here to warn you to gather and to prepare. And whether you do or not is between you and God. Because the kingdom of God was with Noah and there was only eight souls on that boat. He doesn't need a lot of you To come and do this thing. And there will be literally tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who will hear these words. And it will be like water on a duck's back. They will just shake it off and go on about their day. And you will come to a point when you will be very sore, um sad very sad that you did not listen just like when god told me to go to my grandmother's house one sunday morning and i had a bunch of friends with me and it would have only been like three miles three or four miles out of the way if i would have just gone and checked on her but i was like oh we've got some other things to do i'll go check on her later and then i never did that was a Sunday morning. On a Wednesday, my aunt went and checked on her, and she had fallen down the stairs and broken her hip on Saturday night. Meaning I would have found her at the bottom of her stairs on Sunday morning when I was by her house. She lived just long enough for me to see her for about 30 minutes before she passed away right in front of me. And I will always be sad that I did not listen to God when he told me to go do something back when I was younger. If I would have just listened she would have still lived for many years. She was only like 80, 81, I think. She was in relatively good health. And I miss her. And every time I look at my daughter Amberly, I see her face. Because Amberly is her, she looks so much like her, her expressions... My, she's a little girl, and my grandma was an old woman, but like I see her in my daughter. But I wish I would have listened. And I'm sad because I didn't. And you will be sad that you didn't listen. But that's between you and God. I'm only here to give the message. Arius? Hey. Stop climbing on me. You're breathing into my microphone. What? I can't hear you. you got to speak louder. I want to sit with you. You want to sit with me? Yeah. But I'm doing the radio show. Do you want to tell these people... That you need your daddy? Okay. Tell him, my daddy has to go. I will talk to you later. Your dad has to go. He will no, talk to you later. Say, my dad has to go. I He will talk to you later. My dad has to go. He, he would talk later. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I I got to go and do stuff for my son anyway. So he wants to sit with me. He likes to cuddle with me. I'm gone for four days. I don't come home. And when I am home, he's like daddy's boy. He wants to do everything with me. And yeah, so. All right, well, that's the end of the program. Like I said, when I come back, probably next week, I don't think I'm going to be doing another radio show. I might. You never know. But um. Probably next week, I'll probably get to uh, chapter 16, which talks about creating or organizing the plants and the animals. So, all right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless. And goodbye.